Another one of our sponsors I'm excited to tell you about is actually another podcast. It's called People of Product. And it's really about kind of highlighting the way people come together in innovative ways and create all the digital products that seem to be in every part of our lives. And what I think I like the most is that these guys are speaking from experience. You know, we had George Brooks on our show. And besides that, he's like a really genuine human being, just super knowledgeable at creating way more effective teams to get this kind of stuff done. And I really can't recommend it enough. You can find them anywhere that you get your podcasts and I recommend you checking out People of Product. So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called PillowCube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow. That's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. Going to have someone live in a 3D printed home, an officially certified, occupiable 3D printed home that is on some regular block in a regular town in New York. There's no, we're, we're we just still need to prove it. There's there's some articles and there's some hearsay out there, but no one lives in a full 3D printed. So that is our goal, and we're going to do that twice, if not three times, this year. And we have other properties going. 2021 is going to be great, and it's just it's all about producing and building homes. But yes, we have. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Kirk Anderson. Kirk, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me, Jess. Excited to be here. So I'm pretty excited about what you guys are doing. Can you can you talk about what you're doing that's got you all this attention from the media? So we're a 3D printing or construction technology company. We've in, invented a system to mix concrete on demand, use a large-scale 3D printer to print footings, foundations, interior and exterior walls of a home. At this moment in time, we complete about 40, 41% of a home. That's most of the masonry work. We show up on site with our 3D printer. Within a, within eight working days, about 48 print hours, I can give you a 14 to 1600 square foot structure, faster, cheaper, and safer than most block layers can do. Automation is going to take over a lot of industries, and I think we need to disrupt construction because it is one of the largest, most expensive, and most dangerous uh, industries out there. There's there's a lot of a lot of money to be saved, a lot of lives and injuries to be prevented. You know, we were, we were talking just before we got started about, you know, I made twice as much money as my other high school buddy because I went and got construction jobs, you know, so I wouldn't have to have a job during the winter so I could get my snowboard passes, right? And uh, yeah, there's a lot of injuries <laughs> in that in that industry. The other thing that I think about is, I mean, the cost of lumber right now, like we just built, my 14-year-old was just finished our skate ramp, skateboard ramp in our, we, we got a building in the backyard first weekend of an indoor skate ramp and we've been thinking about some additions and things we want to do on it and like feels like lumber is like 300 percent what it was pre-covid it's it's pretty much 300 percent. i mean i went i bought some lumber the other day a sheet of sheet of three quarter or uh nine sixteenths plywood so i'm not even getting the full three quarter but that 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 was sixty dollars and then the two by fours were 772 a pop 
Wow. That is that is that is crazy. It's getting a little out of hand. Whether that's COVID, whether whether that's some of the uh, the fire overflow that we're seeing from some of the, the lumber yards around the country, but we, we can't keep up with this. So that's why we, we use concrete. It's one of the most cheap abundant materials. And there's there's pros and cons to every building material, every building method. But we're 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 trying to combat some of these rising costs of not only the material but the labor and I mean the workers' compensation. There, there's you, you've been in construction, you know the job sites, you know how dangerous they can be, you know the guys aren't showing up or they're drunk on the job guess what 3d printer doesn't do that 3d printer doesn't take cigarette breaks 3d printer doesn't commit domestic violence there's 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 nothing to worry about with automation and it's it's not going to completely replace all jobs on the site right right now it's a percentage and what we're doing is we're building more machines programming these machines and I think revolutionizing the way we look at construction. So there's a lot of jobs to be created from this, and we're not the only ones doing this. And this is this is definitely here to stay. So let's let's get rid of these high cost lumber. Let's let's drive down the cost of housing. Make this more doable for the everyday person. Well, and yeah, for me, it's it's not about job elimination at all. Like you think about the efficiency. You think about this resource of people's time, right? If, if you can have one guy sitting there babysitting your giant 3D printer, and by the way, everybody, everybody should go to the website and, and see this thing. It's it's amazing. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a mini crane on a giant, like looks like a giant, like erector set to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's track. pretty much what we call it an erector set. It looks, it looks, it's just like a stage lighting going back and forth instead of being fixed on yeah. a stage. It goes back and forth on tracks. It's a lot of metal, a lot of a erector set, but it, it's, I can eat lunch and have this thing go. So so to your point, there can be one guy pretty much babysitting this, feeding it the material, making sure everything's there. And then we can just have more time with our families and just not, not spend time on job sites. But the, that's what automation brings to us is, is some, uh, some pleasantries. Well, you look at the value to society. So two things have drastically outpaced wages. There's probably more than this, okay? But if you look at wages over the last 50, 60 years, and you look at the percentage of somebody's wage they spent on education, like a college degree, and the percentage that somebody paid on housing, the cost of housing, the cost of a, an education has gone up way faster than salaries have gone up, right? And to me, look, so hey, we just talked about lumber, right? And 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 some of those building materials constraints that are both that are, you know, both that are expensive because they're constrained, right? And labor. Labor is a huge part of why a house is so expensive. It takes so many dudes, right? If you had the same, you know, if you had the same 30 guys who were building X number of houses, now now each of them are building a house, that just dropped the labor by how much? If you're using cheap cement instead of uh, other materials for, like you said, 40% of the house already, like you think about the ability of land is still going to be a land is still going to be a problem. Okay. But the ability to drop so many costs and let so many uh, folks who have this lifelong dream of owning a home, a first time home. Now the idea of like legitimately affordable housing, not just like government subsidized affordable housing, because the housing is actually affordable. Like, how is this not a benefit to society? You, you covered a lot of ground there. That's good. So, so the efficiency is is key here. So those thirty guys that were all doing one task. Now, if we have thirty machines, those thirty guys can be doing one task and building a house each. So the more printers or the more automation, the more the more houses we can build. We're using these cheap materials. We're, we just have a tool to offset all those costs you talk about. It's it's a different way to do it. I'm still using a strong proven material as concrete, which is better than those two by fours that cost us seven eight dollars. And, and and we're watching you're watching walls built around you. There's 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 something captivating about that. The, the, so there's a there's a huge cool factor with all this going on. 
But the, the efficiency is, is amazing. And this will work for disaster relief and work really well for developments and communities where you can set up a couple of these machines. You could have one base material hub where they actually could all feed off of that concrete and that can be automated. And then these machines can just be on a block going back and forth. So some questions I've got for you. First one is um, I'm noticing the gaps between the walls, which I'm guessing is an insulation reason. I actually grew up in a brick house that was built in like 1902 where they 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 did an air gap so there's a layer of brick air layer of brick to naturally insulate the home is that the concept or are you actually putting something in that space between the two th- concrete walls no you no, you nailed it those those voids any void i want in that wall which i instruct the machine to do i'm putting insulation i'm putting utilities i'm putting the plumbing whatever i want to make that structure on the inside of the walls is what i can i can make that geometry right now with our with our plans and our local planning board they are requiring some structural elements inside the walls so i'm using proprietary software that doesn't exist because we had to create it to take my 3d model and put these structural elements inside the walls ahead of time, running running this slicing program, and then turning that into a, a principal object. So I can I can dictate where plumbing goes, where electric goes, where the and and anything around that will be filled with insulation. So we're tr- we're using uh, it's an aminoplast foam. I can think I get a 4.9 per inch, and most of our walls have at least five and a half inches for that void. There we are trying to limit the the breaks. So you talked about the air gap in there. I'm trying to eliminate like when you frame a house, you have these two by fours. So that inch and a half over three and a half inches is a void in the insulation. There's no purely no insulation factor there. So if I can if I can make these walls completely hollow to an extent and fill that up, I'm going to be more efficient. But we're, we're trying to make this seamless and easy and work with materials that already exist, work with the trades that already exist. So I'm going to build these walls and then have the electricians, plumbers, and any other trade come in to do their thing within inside those walls, sealed up, made sure it's tied to the foundation. We're, we're doing everything to the building codes as, as possibly as much as we can. We've been doing a lot of paper work, legwork to make this a reality to get to where we are so we can actually list a home uh, and turn a profit. <laughs> well, what I what I think I like the most is, you know, the inner investor in me is like, holy cow, you can produce a you can produce a house for how much cheaper? Right? Like I'm like, this is this is a great business, right? But the the limiting factor so often is aesthetics. You know, you think about how many different kinds of manufactured homes people have tried to pawn off as a real house, but it still has this stigma because it it just never quite looks like a, a regular house, right? And it hurts the resale value, all these sort of things. When you guys print these houses and you top, you know, drop the roof on top and if somebody wants to add siding to it, like it looks, it looks like a regular house. You're not going to have the stigma from neighbors or family that who come over and visit. I don't know. That's at least what it seems like to me. What what would you have to say about that? That's what we're trying to do is just build regular houses for everyday people. Something, I mean, it's a concrete structure at the end of the day. You can hang TVs. You can hang photos on this. You can cover it in siding. You can put sheetrock on the inside. You can finish this off, whatever's in your budget, however you'd like. I'm replacing a CMU. I'm replacing a concrete block and the way it's being applied. We're just stacking layers instead of stacking blocks. But it's it, there's no aggregate in our mix as of right now. It's mostly Port, Portland and the aggregate is sand. So you can easily drill into this, attach it one of those drywall mollies or, or an anchor bolt and hang whatever you have to do. If you need, if you wanted to remodel a little bit, it's a concrete home. So there's any of the uh, problems or issues you would look at, if you want to call them that, just, just think of it as a concrete home. But we are trying to just get you a nice, 
1,400, 1,600, 2,000 square foot structure that you could raise your family in that's not made out of glue and plasterboard and will go up in flames. These will be resilient structures. It's concrete. If we put a, if we put a steel roof on this, this is virtually fireproof. We're, we're, trying, we're trying to just make these houses last 100 years past my lifetime, but that, that's where we're going. It's just regular houses that will last that we can afford. I love it. Well, my my next question for you is like, so our, our consulting firm, we've got these like different CEOs that I or our team will do like CEO strategy sessions with, right? So there's this great home builder out here in Utah that's that's making these great houses and, and he sees what you've done. And he's like, man, those guys are geniuses. I got to do this out here. What are the kind of problems he's going to run into with the county commission and and inspections and and you know what did what's the kind of education you had to do and hoops you had to jump through well, i'll share as much as i can on that there's uh there's not enough data we'll start off with that there's not enough data and experience as additive manufacturing in the construction world on especially on such a large scale we have desktop 3d printers that are printing organs and very intricate pieces i mean we're, we can print food it's it's just about layering these things and making sure that it's one piece at the end of the day. And that's what we're trying to do with the concrete is, is we've proven to our, our local building departments what, what we're doing here with the concrete. So we've taken core samples of our mix from the beginning of the day to the end of the day of a print and showed them that our compression strength is there. We're using rebar around all windows and door openings. That's required. We, we are, we're laying everything out as much as we can and the capabilities of our machine with our engineers and our planning board here. And that's what others will have to do is take a copy of their building plans with the parcel that they plan on building, show them the floor plan, show them how this can be 3D printed and and show them some of the preliminary numbers until we can actually show you something in person. I've had building departments, retired chief building inspectors, everyone all over to come look at this house, touch it, feel it, just embrace it, be inside this. It's a, it's a house. It's concrete structure. It's a house. It's It's not going anywhere. The 1,900 square foot structure we printed in Calverton has been there for over a year and a half now through winter storms. We, we, we've proven it. We just need to do that a little more geographically. So I'd recommend to talk to your talk to your politicians, talk to your local boards, and and work this out to make this a reality. We 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 manufacture and we are at the time a service to do this. We are the contractors, we're the builders, we're doing this all right now. But I know there are people out there selling machines. So you're perfectly capable of going and buying this machine and doing all the trials and testing that I've done for years. There's a lot, you're gonna need some smart people in your corner. You're gonna need a lot of time to have this concrete mix come out as you want on time, factor in all these variables, and then approach your building department and try and get this as a permitted residence. There's a, there's, it's, it's, it's been a task, but it's, it's getting done. We're slowly proving it. And the more houses that are built, the more houses that people live in, the more that they're sold, this will start, start to take over. Love it. And are you, are you on Long Island in New York? Where are you based? Yeah, we're on Long Island. We're like smack dab in the middle of Long Island in Suffolk County. So if if I go to sq4d.com, what what's you know like I've got friends in New York. How how what region do you service? Well, right right now we're we're just printing solely in Riverhead, New York. That's yeah. the east the eastern end of Long Island. That's where they're allowing us to build, and we're picking and choosing what we're building right now. It's like I said, we're kind of a service base because that's where we're headed is is leasing and not necessarily selling the machines because. That's where we're at right now. There's there's no true, there's no solid answer. That's just where we're at right now. We're going to continue to build, continue to prove this out. That's that's a, kind of our mission right now. 
there are a couple other companies, I'm not going to drop names, but they're selling printers, but they're not, they're promising the world and not giving you anything. So, so we're, we're just trying to keep it in house a little bit more, start to sell a couple more properties, but we can, we can, I mean, I can, you could call my real estate agent. We could show you the demo home. We could show you the next property we're building and we can maybe work something out with, with some p- potential uh, home buyers, investors. There, this, this is the very beginning. This is, this is the crude beginning where we start to stack some lines and actually get someone living in it. The, the mix will improve. The design of the houses will be endless and customizable and the, the aesthetic of the house. Right now we have layer lines that a lot of people do like. They find unique characteristics in seeing these layer lines compared to normal construction and stucco, but it can be finished off however you want. So we're, we're implementing some new technology and other things to, to bring this to in the next level, to automate some more things, to make it even more affordable. So, so right now we're chilling in our own backyard, doing our thing, and uh, we hope to take this to another level real soon. I love it. Well, and, and tell me about your background. Why, why, why are you guys doing this? What is, what is it that led you to it? What's it about your background that attracted you to this? Just like you, we all started working construction at a very young age. We like to swing hammers, but now we like to use some automation. We, we're kind of sick of the bureaucracy and, the, and those building codes that we've been fighting. New York is very strict. Long Island is very strict and the incorporated villages within are another layer that we have to permeate. There's been some, in our opinion, some ridiculous requirements to build locally. So we just want you to talk to the machine now. We don't want to talk to us. You just, you talk to the machine, tell the machine what you want, put in your zip drive, load up the file and execute. But I'll, I'll tell the story. We, we have a how we have a property in our backyard, a multifamily home. We were finishing up, we were covering it in siding, and we were using a cedar impression vinyl siding. But our local planning board said, no, we want real cedar. So a $15,000, $20,000 siding job went to a $50,000 siding job. And that's where this kind of argument stemmed from, is that we don't want to talk to you anymore, pretty much. We want you to talk to the robot. We want whatever you want done, the robot's going to do. So, so we came up with this idea of this robot grabbing two by fours out of a backpack and stapling them and this this robot that was a ridiculous idea a dream but then we decided let's let's take the idea of a desktop 3d printer scale this up 20 feet by 50 feet and have it spit out concrete this is this is like icing a cake but with concrete Let, let's try this so we built a quarter scale model we got some nice prints out of that and immediately jumped into building a large scale model that you can see on the internet today it's one of the largest printers we printed some of the largest things in the world with it and we we within five months we had that running and it's just been a constant just proving the mix proving the technology things are breaking um like like i said at the start we're a very small company so we just we have to do everything ourselves we built this thing from scratch so that's that's where we we got the the drive to is just to change how buildings are made and how we interact with each other this can this can open up so many opportunities as far as how the architect talks to the engineer, the engineers, and everybody talks to the builders, the planning board. This can all be done over the computer. There, there's there's stuff that we, we can't even talk about right now because we don't even know that it exists. But but uh, there's 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 endless optimization. The software will continually improve, and the machine is just going to do what the machine does. And right now it builds walls. Eventually it's going to build the roof. Eventually we're going to be 3D printing cabinets out of recycled materials, and that'll be part of your house. And this is this is all to drive down costs and reduce time on job site. Well, what I love about it is like, 
every time some smart folks like you guys can figure stuff out like this, it actually, it, it literally improves the prosperity of the rest of society. Because if you can give me, if you can give me those cabinets my wife wants that look, that look like the cabinets she wanted, but we get them at half price, that means I get to buy extra snowmobiles for my kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like, you think about this idea of like, if we can get the same product, but it consumed less resources in the form of money, which takes up people's lives to earn, like this is a, this is a benefit for society. And it makes the investors more money. It makes happier consumers. Like th there's so many wins here. What I want to talk to you about is, is this idea of, you know, so often people think that technology and innovation can only come out of Silicon Valley, or you have to go to MIT to, to do this stuff. Can you talk about inventing these giant machines from scratch and, and like where the guys who used to swing hammers and now where the guys inventing new technologies? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think school is great. I think I love learning every day. I'm trying to teach myself something. I write down, a, I have a list. What do I Google later? And that are things that are thoughts that come throughout the day, conversations, something I need to learn because it's, it's, it drives you, 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 you're earning to, to, to learn that, but we're, we're none of us finished college. We are just doers. Like I said, we started in construction. We've done multiple jobs, but we, I, I don't even, it's, it's crazy how we all met up and that's, that's how the world works. But here we are, just a couple guys put together this machine. And we're, I, I, if you want to call us smart, that's great. I think, I think we're just doing something that's, it's been around for years, but no one's applied it the way we're applying it. It, it has to be done. We need, we need to work towards that better life. And what I, what I envision is not a pleasant bill, but a, a, a world where we're not worrying about the cost of things like you said if, if if i have a tool to now make your cabinets cheaper if, if we can just offset all these costs so that you can worry about more of the land where you want this house so we we can buy a piece of property for one hundred fifty thousand and not worry about that as much because now i'm offsetting the rest of the cost so that that is just going to ripple out to all those people in that circle but it's going to have a, a, a an astounding effect on how you live how you look at things this, this, this is exciting for us because yeah we're just some regular guys doing this and we're getting some notoriety about it, it it's really cool but i hope we are inspiring people we're inspiring not only the youth but some other people just to get off their butt and, and to just make something happen because we're, we're doing this in Patchogue, New York, a couple guys in a garage pretty much. And that's how some of the biggest companies in the world started. So I, I tell some of the kids that I know that just don't stop. Don't listen to the people around you. You can literally do whatever you want in life because I had no idea that I would wind up here. But here we are. I'm, I was in a Bobcat a minute ago. Now I'm doing a podcast. This, this is... This is my reality, and I'm I'm excited that I can I can do things like this, talk to people, and share this because this is just the beginning of 3D printing, audit, additive manufacturing, and automation in, in our world. There's we're we're working towards a a digital world, a Ready Player One kind of world. We need to evolve. We need to progress to to combat some of these issues, some of these high costs. Let's let's work towards a a better life. Well, I I really love so many of what you so many things you just covered there. I think for me, what I'd be interested in is I I often don't think about myself as the most techie of guys, right? And I'm like the guy who like talks a lot and waves his arm around and lands the big contracts, right? Okay. And yet I've been having like a lot of artificial intelligence experts on the show. And what's interesting is like the smartest ones of them have actually made it seem so much less intimidating and they talk about like, you know, AI and machine learning and these buzzwords are out there. Really, it's just about, you know, primarily it's about can you come up with good predictions? And is there a place in your business where good predictions matter? I'm thinking, yeah, we have like almost 
We've recorded almost 600 episodes of this show. Some people go back and listen to all of them. I'm always surprised that that happens. We get somebody new and they're like, oh, I love your podcast. I went back and listened to every old episode. I was like, really? <laughs> wow. But <laughs> but it would be great if this was like Netflix or Amazon where it's like, oh, you really like listening to Kirk? You know who you might like next? And we actually have something smart that's predicting which of our other shows they're going to enjoy the most, right? Well, I don't have a PhD from MIT or Stanford. Like, you want me to write artificial intelligence code? Like, genuinely, I'm like, ah, that just feels too hard. Like, I'm not even going to start, right? And You lost. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been fun having these experts on and, like, getting tips on, like, how to get your toe in the water. And, like, all you got to do is break it down to small enough pieces and, and recruit the right team members for the right elements. And so to me, like, hearing what you guys are done, hearing that you're writing your own software, you're, you're coming up with... Pr- pr- proprietary things so that you can, you know, have this leave you a gap to put in the plumbing here and leave you a gap to put the window in there. And like that you're figuring that out on yourself and that you're winning and that you're, you're, you're going from guys who swing hammers to invented technologies, getting approval from, from the regulators, passing your inspections, having, making it aesthetically beautiful enough. People are actually buying them from you. Like, I guess it's like encouraging to people like me who can sometimes be intimidated to take on a new challenge of, Hey, I've been successful in this other area of life. Am I sure I want to go do something else where I, I feel intimidated? So there's any thoughts a, about all that? Sure. There's an, there's an important thing as much as you want to learn and cram all the stuff in your brain. We are limited to time. We, we do have to sleep. We do have families stuff like that. I'm on the, on the other hand, I have no girlfriend, wife, kids, no obligations. So I can put every ounce of myself into this company. Um, <laughs> and that's, and I think that's what a, a startup is, is demanding of is a lot of your time and attention. So I encourage the youth who do have a lot of time and attention and spunk to, to jump into their idea as soon as possible, meet the right people, surround yourself with a good, good network of people in the environment. As you were talking about, the plan is to hire smarter people and, and, and give them the tasks. I, my 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 dream is to come up with a think tank of people and just problem solve all day, all day, all day, all day. And to come up with new inventions. I, I'm his name is escaping me, but the the creator of Five Hour Energy. That is literally what he does. He has millions and millions of dollars. It's donated, but is coming up with environmental, sustainable ways that that will will pay dividends to our children and our great grandchildren. That's something that inspires me. But that going back to the time thing is you you need to you need to commit. You need to bootstrap and you need to just do it. You may not have to be the smartest but there's there's resources there's references we have google in our pocket just just teach yourself to the next level you're talking about machine learning this is all coming up but machine learning and ai is just a program and the lack of a better world hacking their ai is always just trying to hack something find a better smarter way to do something and it may you may not even thought about it like that but sometimes it's so simple but this there's so many resources or resources online about that about 3d printing about concrete just take them all together shove them in a box and try to learn them all maybe you'll come <laughs> out with a maybe you'll come out with a house printer but we're 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 just constantly trying to evolve how we do things be more efficient on the job site. I mean, our, our system eventually will just be calculated down to the to the ounce of Portland cement and water where we can have zero waste and all this data can be, you know, recorded and sent to the government. We can get a tax rebate and this can be recorded for just so many things. There's so much to come of this and the automation and the, the digital world of construction, construction technology. It's it's, it's very exciting where we're headed towards. I don't think even a lot of people are prepared for it. The guy swinging a hammer every day is maybe just worried about 
getting a beer when he's off of work, but we're worried about that beer, but we're also worried about the next 20, 30, 40 years of sustaining construction. But also, uh, again, this, the main thing is, is affordable housing. I, I have this tool. Let's make this, this stuff cheaper. Everybody's happy. Nothing bad about that. You know, it's interesting to think about, like, because you look at folks who, who maybe they, they do have less time, you know, and it's like, you're not disqualified from playing the sport, but you're gonna have to play different, right? Like, I've got four kids, I run three companies in a charity, I'm active in my church, my community, and I'm an addicted snowboarder, right? So, so the problem is, I keep talking to cool people like you and coming up with new ideas, right? So my recommendation for folks is three books, look at the 8020 principle by Richard Koch about figure out like, What's the one thing that you need to be doing and don't do anything else, like delegate, hire for the other roles. And then Who Not How by Dan Sullivan about, you know, how to intentionally do that delegation. And just it's it's really an excellent book on if you are time constrained, how to still accomplish what you want to do. And then my third one would probably be it's a Delta Force book by called by Pete Blaber called The Men, The Mission and Me. And I used to think like, oh, people can adapt and people can learn anything. But what's interesting following like whether it's SEAL Team 6 or, or any of the other tier one units, like these guys spend so much time trying to pick the right talent up front. And, and I feel like I've learned a lot from them on like you, just what an accelerator it is to be pickier to begin with and start with the absolute best person you can, even though it takes more time, even though you might have to pay a little higher salary than you meant to, just what an incredible accelerator it is, which should be obvious. And everybody, I think, knows that. But so often when I was hiring, I was like, who's the least expensive person that could get the job done instead of who's like the absolute top person that could be worth 10 people if we could pay them. And so for what it's worth, yeah. those are a couple of my time hacks. For, for, for a startup, I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to get the most for the, the least amount. I'm starting to hire some more people. So I'm squeezing everything out of them that I can resource wise, but also asking them to be a little friendly on my pocket. But that is, that, that's, that's just one of, one of the many things. There's, we're, we're fighting time. So let's, uh, let's make building houses faster and let's make it make more sense. There's, there's no reason. I mean, an average house, if you're lucky, you could build it in six months and have it turnkey. You're well, lucky. Just, and I got to tell you, that has got to be one of the most frustrating experiences I've ever been through. We, I finally talked my wife into like letting us live in the mountains outside of Park City, Utah, so I can go snowmobile, snowboard into the national park at our backyard. Okay. <laughs> and it took for friggin' ever. The guy had already started the house. Okay. And so we didn't even get in the beginning, you know, like he'd already started it and we came in, got to customize a bunch of things. It took so long. And this is not, you know, this is not a unique experience of builders not meeting their timeframes. Right. Um, exactly. You think about being like the one builder in town who's known for like, if you were just known for being on time every time, it would be like an absurd unfair advantage. But if you could be done faster and on time, like you actually meet expectations and those expectations were half the time of the other guy, like geez, even if you weren't cheaper, that's going to be such a value, right? People would be, yeah, people would pay a premium for that, but that would, that's, that's what, that's what escapes the construction world is, is some reliability, some organization and, and digitizing a lot of this will, will help us go towards that. Being a little more organized as far as this cost of materials that would be direct to the customer, the buyer, even, even the builder from the GC. It's, it's, we, we need to, we need to move towards that way. We are, and we are, which, which is what I'm happy about, which is why, why 
I'm excited to just be in this position right now because this is this is this is the wave. We're moving this forward, and and we're we're right there surfing. I'm more of a beach guy. I know you like the the slopes, but I'm I'm looking looking to go somewhere tropical, build a bunch of these houses where it makes sense for for Florida, for any any hurricane prone zones. They already live in concrete homes. They already live in these 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 mud houses. We can, yeah. we can do this a little bit differently. In fact, the the layering of the concrete is much more superior than to having a block with some mortar in between. There's You have all these joints. Now I'm kind of doing almost this monolithic pour at the same time. So we, we think our we, we can prove our technology around the world. We're excited. Okay. Well, I've got an idea first because I love the waves too. I, I moved from the frozen, from the great white north down to Southern California. So it was so I could surf every morning before work for years. Okay. <laughs> um, we just built, not just, but but we, our charity child rescue helped with the construction of an aftercare facility in Cusco, Peru, outside of Machu Picchu. And again, block construction, developing world technologies, uh, massive inconsistency, cost overruns. And I think the project took like three times longer than the construction firm <laughs> said it was going to, right? Like <laughs> the ability for charities who are trying to help, like we're, we're supporting this group called Orphan Myth, who is trying to turn orphanages into placement centers and get these kids forever families. And like nice. the idea of like going like, you know, we, we should get a grant. We should get a grant, go down to Costa Rica together. Okay. And print out some some local buildings all across the country for helping street kids get placed with forever families, you know, and just somebody who is in that business already that was going to have to pay for regular construction, you know, go down and, and get those charities at a significant discount. So the more money can go into getting these kids off the street and away from predators and into a forever family that's that's actually going to care about them, you know, like. There's there's like a natural huge benefit to the world of those donation dollars are precious. You know, the more of them that can go, you know, the, the farther those can stretch, the better, you know? Of course. I, I love that idea. And this that's one of the many things I can do. If I need more machines. Like I immediately just need more machines to send these out because now we can tackle problems like that. And now now we yeah. can just do this globally. It doesn't matter where you are, it's still going to be the same thing. So, so tell me about this. You are essentially running a technology company and a software company and a home builder, you know, <laughs> right? And and potentially, you know, like it's probably not a huge leap to see how you guys could become a manufacturing firm if you wanted to, right? Yep, um, yep. When you think about your next challenges, like between now and the end of the year, what are some of your big goals? We're going to we're going to have someone live in a 3D printed home, an officially certified occupiable 3D printed home that is on some regular block in a regular town in New York. There's no we're, we're we just still need to prove it. There's there's some articles and there's some hearsay out there. But no one lives in a full 3D printed house. So that is our goal. And we're going to do that twice, if not three times this year. And we have other properties going. 2021 is going to be great. And it's just it's all about producing and building homes. But yes, we have a lot of we have a lot of things to cover. A lot of things that I shouldn't even be doing, to be honest, but I have to because there's no one else to do it. But but that's that's what we are. We're doing the software. We're doing this. I'm ordering the materials. I'm I'm grading the property. I'm excavating the property. There's there's it's it's cool at that level, but it's a lot. But but here here we are, excited to to bang out 2021. See what 2022 will bring us. We we still need to prove our grounds a little bit more um, locally. I mean this this is in 30 years this is going to be everywhere. In 20 years it will be everywhere. There are there are people building machines right behind us. There are people 
coming up with this. It's it, the technology has been around for a while, but applying it, doing it, having the resources. We, we, we've got a good good circle of people. I'm very proud of some of the people in my circle, very happy and fortunate that they're here. And that that's what you need is you can't do it all by yourself. So like I said, I had to hire a couple of people, smarter people, and now we're, work, we're working even better towards our goals. We're optimizing them. We're thinking of new ways to apply to it. Sometimes when you're, when you're doing something, inspecting something, doing homework when you're a kid, when you put a second set of eyes on something, it makes it that much better. You need someone else to look at it, break it down for you. When I'm doing that with software, when I'm doing that with construction, 3D printing, there's there's so much. So the more people I have on hand, the better. But but this is this is the beginning. I'm excited to see even where my competition is at in, at the end of the year. I want to see what they produce. You know, what are you what are you doing? You've had 50 million dollars. What are you doing? Because because we're not there yet. We're working towards that goal. And and I want to make those right decisions. Where you were talking about the quality of person and the people in your corner. I want to make the right decisions and go go the right path. And sometimes your first decision is your gut decision is usually one of the best. So I'm picking that working with my board to to make the right moves to to get us to the next goal to make sure 2022 and beyond will be even better. I love it. Well, tell me this, essentially manufacturing your own equipment. Yeah. What have been some of the biggest lessons that you would tell for the rest of us if if somebody here gets ambitious and says, "You know what? There's there's a problem in our industry and we should just make the answer instead of complaining about it." What's 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 one of the biggest lessons that you have learned by actually making your own new equipment? 3D printing is awesome because you can rapidly prototype pieces, jigs, stuff that you would use to manufacture. You could do it on site instead of paying a molder or having some fabricator do it. But you will need you will need those resources. There's people that have tools and experience that you can't match. And so it's it's nice just to open up that wallet a little wider to pay them to get that done. So you can so you both can learn because you're you're gonna pay you're gonna pay to learn either way. Whether you want to spend a little more time, you're gonna you're gonna have to sacrifice some of the cost. But but jigging up and making sure it's 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 all about that final product. We didn't there are some afterthoughts on our machine right now, but not a lot. There was a lot of planning and forethought to go into a design before I actually start to buy all these materials and put it all together. Planning is key and having those smart people in your corner. It's smart people who have been there. I'm not, I'm only 31. I think it's kind of young, but there are some people that have been around a lot longer that have way more experience and insight into things I've never even done before. As much as I just want to jump in and do it, it's good to take a second and just reference somebody, whether it's a phone call or having them just show up. We, we got to a certain point and I need to call someone in and ask their opinion. And if they're nice enough just to offer it, that'd be great. If not, maybe we can work with them. But we, we've manufactured a lot in-house. We wanted to do it that way to, you know, we're, we're not taking a dime from anybody else. This is all just done by us. And we're, we're, we're happy to keep it that way so that we can still have some control and make the decisions that we want to and what we feel is right. But, but there's no perfect, nothing's perfect. There's no perfect way to manufacture. We're still learning how to do that. And we're still coming up with ways. I mean, additive manufacturing has been around for a little bit, but you can see how it is changing industries. And, and obviously it's changing construction so that the manufacturing of homes is now going to be on site with a 3D printer. So still, we're yeah. still learning. <laughs> so I love that you 3D printed your prototypes or parts of your prototypes. And then you're actually 3D printing the actual 3D printer part. Tell me this, what's a lesson of going from from prototype to scale? Like what's something maybe you didn't expect or what's something that you learned of like, 
from from the small version to the production version? I would say just to keep the changes minimal is to make that scale representation as much as possible, like as close as you can. Because once you start adding bells and whistles and moving and changing things around, you're almost creating a whole nother machine. So you, you want to keep everything as concise as you can and, and keep it keep stick it to the plan. But there's a lot of there's a lot of forethought that goes into that. Prototyping, as soon as you get something done, you might want to just jump onto the real thing and get into it because you don't know until you, you get to that point. There's there's risks involved. It's it's undeniable to do that. And it, it, it all depends on, on budget and goal and how, I guess, original your idea is. It's hard to be original nowadays. I mean, 3D printing has been around for a long time. When, when I first learned about it, I I pictured housing. I pictured the the scalability of this. A lot of people don't, they look at everyday things. They don't see potential that can break out from this, applying it in a, in a different way. And it's still hard to do that, but we're, uh, I'm a little bit rambling here. But we're, we're, we're just getting inventive. We're just trying things out. You try it maybe 20 times and the 21st time you get it and you, you, you implement that into your scale model, prove that out a little bit more, put it on the big guy. That That's how we do it. There's, there's probably even better and more efficient ways to do that. I'm hoping to learn from some of those people in the field. We we are going to be we are going to be manufacturing for a small part, but subbing it out to the right people is is there's huge value in that. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, this has been a super entertaining conversation for me. Appreciate you making the time to come on. What what would you want to leave people with today? I want I hope I can leave some people inspired because I'm I'm excited about what I do. I don't feel like I work. I've never thought I would get to that. When you're growing up, people say you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. Never thought that would be there, but you, we can all work towards that goal. You can do it. It's not impossible. Surround yourself with some really good people. It's very important. We're humans. We're not supposed to be in this COVID Zoom world. We're supposed to be surrounded by people interacting and, and changing each other's lives, inspiring each other. So I, I hope to and inspire the youth to just to find the right people and stick with them. Leave, leave the, the kids that you hung out with and did some some bad things with in the past because this you got you got to grow up eventually. The, the sooner you do that, the, the more lives you can change, including your own. But I would also hopefully people will go to sq4d.com. They will see what we're doing, get inspired a little bit more. And maybe they want to work with us. Maybe they want to invest. Maybe they want to build houses. Maybe they want to build their own machine and try it their own way. Look, we've done it. It's it's possible for you to do it too. If you have any questions, email us, fill out a form. You can email us at info at SQ4D. Check it out. Change your life. Thank you for having me, Jess. Appreciate it. No, this has been great. Okay. Bye, everyone.